Hello, everyone, and welcome to On Your Way to Work, the show that seeks to speak not to employers and not to business owners, but to you, our fellow workers on the workplace floor. I'm your host, Christian Witted. So for those of you that have been with us throughout the various seasons of On Your Way to Work, you know that some of the most important components of our career progression are found in mentorship, both giving and receiving, and our attitude and conduct in the jobs we hold and have held. And so for this week's show, we have brought on an interviewee with a wealth of knowledge and personal experience in both of these subjects. Tim Stevens is the author of the book, Fairness is Overrated, and has published numerous other titles. He currently serves as the director of executive search consultants for Vanderblumen's search group team, connecting organizations to key staff and personnel that they need. So listeners, pull out your chair, maybe a notebook and pen if you're the note-taking type. I know that this interview will be impactful. So enjoy the show. Hi, listeners. This is Rick Witted, and I have in studio or by Skype with me Tim Stevens, a, a very accomplished author of many books. I've kind of, before I knew Tim, every time I was in the airport, I saw Fairness is Overrated, wondering who is this guy? And uh, lo and behold, we were able to get him in studio with us. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Oh, man, I tell you what, I'm so glad to have you on. We're talking about someone with over 25 years of senior leadership experience and a varied background, whether it is corporate America, marketplace America, uh, even in the ministry side of uh, organizational leadership. So, Tim, I I just really want to grab you and have a a very open conversation for, for the listeners and so you're someone who have identified um, leadership uh, in people. You've you've attached and connected would-be leaders to an organization. You've developed leaders within an organization. So what I really want to talk to the listeners about and want them to hear from you is on what makes you as a leader want to pour into those uh, in the organization around you. So I'm going to throw that wide net and just ask you to jump in with me. Any thoughts there initially? You know, I don't know if, if some of that's internal wire. I think some of it's gratefulness. Um, it's a sense of, you know, knowing, especially as a young leader, um, how many people poured into my life and made me the leader that I am today. And so there's some sense of, you know, wanting to return that to others. I think there's also a sense that what you pour into people is the only thing that lasts in a lot of ways. Um, you can pour a lot of work into projects or spreadsheets or buildings or uh, things like that. But, you know, in a sense, what you pour into people outlasts you, outlive you, and, um, and can affect future generations. And so there's some of that as well that's in me. You know, I, I like where you went here first, so I'm going to dive in. So everything you, you, you kind of uh, summarized for us there has to do with the leader. And so some, some folks listening now, they're going, yeah, Tim, but you know, I, don't, I don't think I have that kind of leader within my organization. What would you say to, to that person? Yeah. So are you asking about someone who's kind of yearning for that kind of mentorship and, and they don't know if they're going to get it? 
Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I'll give you a scenario. Bob is in the workplace and Bob likes his job. Bob wants to move up through the organization, whatever that means for Bob. But he, he doesn't have a manager or he doesn't believe he has a manager or leader who has that um, innate desire to pour into the people around them. Yeah, no, great question. I think, you know, being wired as a self-learner is just invaluable. There's a lot of times, and I can think through scenarios where, you know, in a given season of time, there wasn't anyone pouring into me. And there's even been seasons of time where this may sound overconfident or cocky, I'm not sure which, but there's times when it's like you probably could do your boss's job better than he or she is. Absolutely. And that's a frustrating place to be. And so... I guess in hindsight, being able to look back over almost 30 years of work experiences, um, it, it seems to me like excellence gets noticed. And if I, um, in, in a given position, can just continue to do quality work and excellent work and have a great work ethic, and if I'm not getting poured into or someone's not noticing me or training me, I'm reading books and reading magazines and listening to podcasts and kind of sharpening my skills um, and, and there might be a season where that's not noticed at all because you're with a boss who isn't uh, equipped um, to help you. But I think that, that ultimately gets noticed, um, whether in the same company or another company, um, and then you're able to kind of start taking those steps that you want to take in your career. Yeah, it sounds like you're saying your, your growth and development is on you. You really own it. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And it's, it's a bonus, and it's great when someone comes along and pours into you. But you got to kind of take those first steps. Yeah, I think I think about my career, Tim, uh, through the years, and what you're saying makes so much sense. I mean, I've had those seasons as well where I've had bosses where I would just literally walk barefoot um, over hot coals for, and I and then I've had some where it seems like they're throwing hot coals at me. <laughs> yeah. But in both environments, I've been able to thrive, and I think it's it has part part to do with what you said. That, you know, I've never had the innate expectation that, and maybe it's the way I'm raised, but that someone owes me anything. Mm. Uh, And um, I've just called me old-fashioned, but I've always believed that, you know, if someone is paying me uh, on for my time and for my insight, then, you know, I owe it, uh, you know, to that uh, contract to, to do everything I can. It just seems like... We may be missing some of that in in the culture. Is there something that you would say to someone who is on the opposite end of that and, and thinks, you know what, and I've been here for a long time. I deserve more than I'm getting. What, what would you say? Because that's a real emotion that people deal with in the workplace. Yeah, I remember, boy, it must have been in my early 20s and someone much older, much wiser than me said, and I was working, you know, just kind of a normal paycheck to paycheck job. And someone said to me, you know, as I'm kind of complaining or upset, I don't remember what the situation was, murmuring in some way. They said, Tim, your job every day is to go and make that guy, that guy who owned the company, make him a success. To, to, to You want to make him as much money as you possibly can. And which is, you know, at the time you're thinking, I really want to make as much money as I possibly can, you know, but (laughs) he's kind of turning it around, turning my attitude around. And he said, you know, that will be noticed ultimately, maybe, maybe not by him. Maybe he's a jerk. Maybe he's not. But ultimately, if you just develop this mindset that you're going to be there and you're going to work as hard as you can and you're going to give more than you're being given and you're going to exceed expectations, 
that that will ultimately be noticed and rewarded, and you'll be able to kind of take those steps. So, so I'm really interested. You are a director of executive search consultants, and so you spend a lot of time connecting folks to the right organization, the right culture, and you spend a lot of time taking workers or even leaders and matching them to a particular organization and or, or company. Can you talk a little bit about when you're looking at individuals, what traits are, in your mind, remarkable? Yeah, we, we do spend all our days, all our weeks, trying to connect great people with great organizations. And so, By the way, let me ask, like six books now, right? How many books are you into? Yes. Uh, Fairness is Overrated was the sixth book. Do you sleep at all? <laughs> and you have a family, kids? I mean, do, when do you sleep, man? You know, I'm an old guy. I had I had enough time to do six. Well, books. I guess sleep oh. is overrated too. <laughs> you need to write that book. So keep going. Well, thank you. So that's you're very kind. Um, but yeah, I think things you know that we're we're looking for, um, and you know, initially you're just looking at a piece of paper and a resume, right? And then ultimately you get the chance to start talking to the person, and eventually, hopefully, you're able to sit down eyeball to eyeball with them and really, you know, kind of go deep in their life. But I mean, some things that we're looking for are some of these things we've already mentioned. I mean, you know, attitude, work ethic, those things are huge. Um, Doing your work with excellence. I may be looking at someone who's never been in a leadership position on paper. They've just, they've just uh, been in other, uh, you know, kind of worker type positions. But I'm looking to see where have they exceeded expectations? What have they done? What have they added? Where have they added value? Sometimes just the way they put the resume together, you can get a sense of their responsibility and their eye for quality and kind of even how they present themselves. And I think also, and this may be talked about more now than it has been just a couple of years ago, but something that we do quite regularly is what we call social media scrub. And that means when we're looking at someone and we're thinking seriously about taking some steps with with them to introduce them as a candidate to uh, an interested employer. Um, we do a social media scrub. We dive fairly deep, as deep as we can, with what we can find in their Twitter feeds and their Facebook um, posts and if they have a blog and those kind of things. And I think, you know, we're looking for, you know, high-quality, high-integrity individuals and that will represent the company that we're talking to well. And so that's something that's, that's, that a lot of people don't think about. They think, well, that's personal, and then I have my job. But those things are pretty integrated these days. Tim, why is that important? Because I could hear the listener going, well, that's my private business. Why, why does that even matter to you? Yeah, you know, um, I've, I would have thought the same thing. There was a report um, I read about two years ago. It was a study put out by the University of Evansville. And it, they were talking or, or surveying cus- companies that use social media to screen applicants. And what they found was that companies and and um, search professionals were able to determine with like a surprising level of accuracy they could predict future job performance based on someone's social media activity and they said in this in this report in the study that they could predict job performance more from social media than from resumes or from interviews or from reference calls, wow. which is fascinating to me. That makes sense because while, while I'm in my room in my pajamas, my hair's down and you're going to see the real me. Absolutely. And if, you know, if I was hiring someone for a, a customer service role, let's say, and yet I see in their Facebook that they treat people you know, very poorly, yeah. that would make a difference um, because it would make me think that when they're squeezed, 
in my company, that might be how they treat our customers. And, and that would be something I'm not looking for. Yeah. You know, listeners, clean up your space. <laughs> Please clean up your social space. And I know, I know it may not make a lot of sense, but let me just say this to you. If you are a leader or even represent an organization and you do something crazy, often, particularly the larger the organization, the headline's not going to read, Rick did something crazy. It's going to be, Rick, the executive director at ABC Corp., Mm did something crazy just because that's going to sell a lot more than just my name. So there's a lot of reasons that company, it's for the same reason my mom would always say to me, now, son, boy, don't you go out there and embarrass me. You, you represent the family. For that same reason, the companies have that same, that same viewpoint. So what Tim's saying is, is spot on. It's just the very close global small world we live in now because of social media the moment you are out there you are your own brand but if you represent an organization you are also carrying a piece of their brand whether you want to or they want you to or not you just don't control what goes out in the media so Sorry, I had to take that station break, Tim, because I think I think you're right. So true. That is such an important point uh, for for the workplace. So, you, you spoke a little bit about we look at your social presence. Um, the first two things you mentioned were we look at attitude and we look at ethics. So I'm I'm always marvelled how you know a, a person in your position can uncover those things. So give the listeners some tricks of the trade. What are things that, you know, from a resume and then from a conversation that uh, are triggers for you to understand both their attitude and their work ethic? Yeah, it'd be very difficult to find that in a resume. But when you have a chance to um, have a conversation with the individual, uh, a couple things. One would be how they talk about their former employer, former bosses. You know, we ask some questions that probe a little bit about that. And if you hear a lot of kind of bad mouthing, even if they had a terrible situation, um, you can just kind of tell when you talk to someone, you know, whether they have a sense of they're holding back and they, and they really have a sense that they, they don't want to um, condemn the integrity of someone else um, or whether they're just very freely talking poorly about someone else. And I think that, to me, that just that speaks a little bit to integrity. Um, I like to dive in a little bit to transitions. Um, you know, if I look at a resume and this individual's been had six different jobs and they each only lasted a year or lasted two years, um, that's kind of like okay, let's just talk about that. It's not a, not necessarily a, a red flag, but it's just let's talk about the transitions. Why are you moving so often? This company's looking for. Uh, someone to stay for a long time. So why is it that you're moving, you know, so quickly? And is that is that indicative of what will happen if you uh, take a job at this uh, next organization? Um, and and then why, you know, if there's big gaps in their resume that just don't seem to make sense, it's good to dive into those. So I'm the moment you said that, I thought, you know, of a stat I always mention: uh, two and a half million people quit their job every month. Mm. So what are practical, and I talk about this in Outgrow Your Space, but, but what are practical responses? Because I, I have a feeling, in, um, you know, and I've done and, and do quite a bit of hiring myself. So, you know, I see this quite often on resumes and, you know, coming from someone who, you know, this is kind of your, this is your expertise. 
what are acceptable you know, answers when you see quite a bit of job hopping on a resume over the course of five or even 10 years. Uh, if someone's, you know, done a job every every year, two or three, you see that 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 transition, as you call it. What would uh, what would be acceptable answers to you? Well, I think one would be, I mean, when someone comes out of college and they're just trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life, um, there's there's a little bit of that, you know, where they're just kind of exploring, and and if if, if you can get them to tell you their story, we work uh, a, a largely with um, churches and nonprofit organizations, and if I get someone to kind of tell me their story, maybe they came out of college with a, a psychology degree, and then someone hired them as a student pastor just because they were in they were in that church, you know, right. um, and then they're like, ah, you know, students isn't isn't what I want to do, and then someone else hires them uh, as a um, uh, finance director at the next church or whatever. I mean, there's all, you know, and, and they're just kind of finding their way. And eventually it's like, and if you can get them to tell their story and tell and give you a sense of just what's going on in, in their, in their heart and their mind as they're kind of exploring. Um, so, so that would be to me real acceptable, um, answers. You know, some, sometimes people are just, they just, uh, for whatever reason they go, they get into kind of two or three bad situations in a row and it's just, it's just a toxic culture. And uh, they need to get out of that. Now, you can anyone can tell you that, but you can kind of back that up with your reference calls and just you know get a sense of if that's actually accurate or if there's something else going on there. Uh, and that's where those you know reference calls are important. I, and and beyond reference calls, I really think references of reference calls uh, can be even more helpful. Um, where you're you're getting not just the list of the of what they gave you uh, of their best friends who are going to say good things about them. But you're able to talk to some people beyond that too, and just get a sense also of, of work ethic and integrity, and um, and their decisions about uh, uh, how late they sleep in and when they come to work, and you know, do they clock out exactly at five o'clock, or do they, if the project's still going, they're like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the project done uh, because uh, my uh, passion for the organization. So, so you you've uh, given the listeners uh, some great bonuses here on on how to to you know, be marketable, find a job, um, you know, interview process. So, listeners, this is a bonus because we didn't script this at all. And I want to transition in a second to some things that are kind of going on with you, Tim. But but if you had to summarize to anyone that is considering transitioning to a job, uh, applying for a job, interviewing for a job. Are there two or three must in your mind that they should uh, include in their preparation? They really need to study well the organization they're um, they're applying for. Um, study the the leadership team. You know, with websites we can find all this out. Study the leadership teams. Read their bios. Um, Look on if the if the company has a Facebook feed. Look on that and just see what was their last team activity. You know what have they done as an organization? What are they passionate about? Um, because as much as you can kind of ad- address that and um, and kind of uh, talk about that, it will just really show kind of that you're really interested in this job. And I think the second thing I would say uh, is always come armed with questions. Um, I'm very unimpressed with a candidate who I talk to for an hour and I ask all my questions and I say, Hey, what questions do you have about this job or the role or the organization? And they're like, ah, I'm, I'm good. You know, it's like, yeah. And it's just like, that's just really not helpful. Um, it just tells me you're not much uh, of a thinker. You're not a learner. 
and you haven't given this position much thought. Because if you're thinking about changing your life to work here, you should have some questions about that. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. And I, I say this all the time to, to my employees that the, the one that gets the job, believe it or not, it's not the the most polished and it's not, you know, necessarily the, the best performer. It is the most prepared that gets mm. the job. So great. Yeah. Great. Hey, Tim, let's let's transition. You have got a lot going on in your life. Why don't you bring us up to speed? What's uh, what's um, and, and I've kind of hung it out there and we got to get back on the show and talk about fairness is overrated but why don't you share with the listeners a little bit that's a real in your face title what what is that about yeah so that was a um just kind of a compilation of leadership thoughts so you know when i started writing that i was cu- coming to the end of 20 years um at an organization where um we had about a when i left 129 employees and so when i started with we had five employees, and so, you know, seeing a ton of growth, we've done a lot of hiring and firing. I was I was kind of the executive operations person um, there that was kind of responsible for that, and so um, lead, both both in leading the organization and in adding to um, adding to the organization. There's just a ton there. So, fairness is overrated. It was kind of just let me just write down. You know, I'm 46, I guess, when I was writing that. 48 now. Um, let me just kind of write down what I've learned to date about leadership um, and kind of this, you know, I could call it halftime or whatever of life. Um, and so uh, there's four set, there's 50 chapters in the book kind of into four sections and one section's um, all about um, uh, being, being the type of leader that's worth following. So it's all about kind of integrity. There's a sec- second section is all about hiring and firing and all of those kind of decisions that, need to be made. Uh, another section is about developing culture, um, whether you're the leader of the organization or you're just a participant. How do you develop a, a great culture? And the fourth uh, section is about leading uh, through a crisis. If you're running a department or um, even leading a family um, and crisis will happen. So how do you lead in the midst of a crisis? Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. So, you, you know, you, you're, you are someone who has found success in in the marketplace um you've been in multiple leadership position i mean you're as i was reading through your resume your career path is, is a bit fascinating uh, to me and how you've gone from kind of being in the workplace and being in a variety of settings both you know the corporate side the business side of the world the uh, ministerial organization side of the world, and then and then now, you know, searching and and uh, connecting people to to bo- to that world, it's very interesting. It, but you've constantly been a leader. You've written all of these books, and you've got some people here uh, that are listening to you, going, "God, man, I really want that life." Um, you know, w- what has been you know for you? the secret to always ending up leading within the culture you're a part of, always ending up being on the successful side of your career within within the culture you're a part of in the workplace. Yeah, and to me it probably pings back to the early part of our conversation, just being faithful, um, doing the next right thing, um, working with integrity. My very first job was an organization where it was not a good culture. It was a very toxic culture in the department where I was working. It had a, a leader, a boss who was not worthy of looking up to or following, and yet I had to follow him. 
And, um, and so for me, it was just bearing down and just doing the next right thing, doing my best, um, kind of building, um, building whatever influence and culture I could build from just me because I had no responsibility apart from my job. Um, and it, it was interesting about a year into that when, um, the, uh, some of his leaders kind of tapped me into another department and said, Hey, we've been noticing. And, I, and in my mind, no one was noticing. I mean, there was, no one could notice, um, because being under this leader that, that wasn't a good leader. And so, but, but it was being noticed and I was tapped, um, to come over and just was given a, a small amount of responsibility in another department. And then a little bit more, and then a little bit more after that. So, hey, how did how did you survive? I mean, you know, you're 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 busting your 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 backside, and your boss is not the best, and you know, no one's noticing it. All internally, you're feeling this. Like, how did you? There's a lot of people feeling that today, and and many of them just say, "I'm I'm out of here." What what kept you from leaving? Oh, maybe partly stubbornness, um, partly strong will. Uh, I had a one-year agreement or contract, um, or one year at a time, I should say, and so um, part of it was like, I, I'm committed. That's this is what I said I would do. Um, you know, no one's killing anyone, so I'm going to stick with this. Partly, you know, just having good friends that I could talk to that were outside of the organization um, that could give me perspective and context, and they were, you know, wiser and older than me, and could encourage me. Um, so, and you know, there were there were hard days in there. I mean, the, I remember the last day of my um, engagement there, my agreement that first year was like I just was never so happy to walk away and not turn back. Um, but I also felt good that I hadn't uh, kind of fallen into the fray. Gotcha, gotcha. So you, you spoke there a bit about um, what I'll call mentorship, and you've said you've alluded to that a few times where. You've had people that's been able to pour into you that you could reach out to. Talk a little bit about the importance of that, and how do you find a good mentor? Yeah, I tell you, in my life, that's just been um, it's been huge. I don't know that I've ever gone and, and said, um, "Will you be my mentor?" I have never used those words, or "Will you be my coach?" But um, you know, you always notice people in your life um, that you have some kind of relational connection to that you just respect. And so I would just always try, and still to this day, always try to just be next to the people I respect and spend time with them. Um, there's been times when it's like, can I buy you lunch and just have an hour and a half of your time and pick your brain and then come actually with questions written down and just you know, learn from them? Um, how, did you, how would you handle something like this? How did you get to where you are? What would you do in my shoes? You know, and kind of describing your situation. And um, that's just been just hugely valuable to me. Um, and some of those conversations had turned into longer term, you know, call them mentorships, call them, you know, coaching relationships to where, um, um, you know, it turns into a, a lifelong friendship. And, and some of those, uh, one of the guys, his name was Louie, um, who was my mentor when I was 18 years old. And um, we still, he lives in another city now, but we still try to get together a couple times a year. And uh, I still learn great wisdom from him. Wow. So I'm hearing someone say, eh, yeah, Tim, but yeah, I'm, that's, I'm not playing politics. I'm not playing office politics. What, what would your response be to, I hear that so often, it, it kind of baffles me a little bit, but, but what would your response be to, to someone who's thinking that? Well, um, I, I don't think it has to be someone in your office. I mean, I suppose if it's, 
you know, if you're, if it could look like you're trying to buddy up with, you know, the executive vice president, if that's the person you choose, but it can be someone in your neighborhood. It can be the, the person that delivers your mail. It's just, I mean, it can be someone who you just respect. You, you like the way they raise their kids or the way that they treat their wife or, or husband or uh, the way that they just always respond calmly in very tense situations. And, um, I, I think it can be, uh, any one of those scenarios, um, and it doesn't need, it's not just a one person. It's just anytime you see someone that you respect and that you know you could learn from, just lean into that and uh, see what you can learn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd agree with you. Although I was playing devil's advocate there, I, when, when I, <laughs> when I hear that term, I, just to be honest, listeners, I, I my first thought is how short sighted. And it seems like work is the only place where we will, we will throw that very heavy label on someone in our social circles the the only way we make friends is to get to know people <laughs> the only way we learn insight that we don't have is to get to know people and talk to individuals and and build relationships and but for some reason when we come into the workplace we think it's taboo to do that and as you've heard from you know a leader a very successful individual uh, in the marketplace, um, uh, a very accomplished individual uh, who's saying, I don't know that I could have made it without mentors. I don't know that I couldn't have made it without asking for people's time in, in and around my environment. And, and I, I would echo his, his sentiments in my life completely. So, Tim, I, I knew I was going to run out of time before I, I ran out of stuff to say. You know, uh, tell us a little bit about how can how can uh, listeners get a hold of you, and you know, maybe real quickly, uh, you know, give a little bit of uh, information about um, uh, your blog. I saw it a little bit. Tell them what they can expect. Yeah, I, I blog. I try to blog about twice a week on um, leadingsmart.com. It's L-E-A-D-I-N-G, leadingsmart.com, and I've been blogging for boy. 11 years. If you want to kind of just search by topic, you can search back and and read old material. Uh, Every Friday, I put out a a list of called, I just call it Friday Finds, which are just kind of links of business or leadership or um, workplace or just articles that interest me that will help people in their uh, workday lives. Um, I work for Vanderblumen Search Group. I'm one of the uh, executive directors there. And uh, so I get to work with an amazing staff in Houston, Texas. And we, like I mentioned, work mostly with churches and search committees and uh, pastors and nonprofit leaders um, in helping them find staff, uh, just doing nationwide searches to help them find the best staff and get a good culture match so they get a person that will stay with them for a long time. Great, great. Well, Tim, I I hope uh, this is an open invite and I hope you'll say yes, that we can get you back on the show and Talk about whatever's on your mind and whatever's going on. I know you're in the process of thinking through another book, so uh, I'd love to get you back on when you've kind of iced that down a little bit. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, it would be fun to talk again. Great. Thank you so much. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Listeners, thank you for tuning in today. If you had any questions or comments on this show or any previous show, or you just want to get connected, you can check us out at facebook.com forward slash rawitted, tweet us at rawitted, or email us at rick at rawitted.com. And if this show has helped you in any way, please take a moment and leave us a rate and a review on iTunes. We love hearing from you all, and your feedback can only make us better. Once again, thank you for tuning in. 
and we'll see you at the next episode.